0: We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done.
1: If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address at goinglinux.gmail.com at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at one nine oh four four six eight seven eight eight
0: nine. In today's episode listener feedback. Hey Bell. Hey
1: Larry, how are you today?
0: All right. So how's that new computer going for you?
1: New computer's going great. I haven't touched anything on it yet, so it still has Windows 10 on it.
0: But still got that new computer smell, huh?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah just you know, just haven't had time to or inclination to mess with it. But I did uh, take my old Dell. I three mm-hmm. and uh, yanked out the old 128 gigabyte rust drive.
0: Okay, uh, and
1: put in a 500 gigabyte SSD.
0: Okay, and
1: installed Manjaro, of course. Uh huh. And it is so fast now that it's like, oh, I need to open a window. It's and it's like usually it you'd ha- you could see it open. Now it's just there. And uh, it is running so well. I've ordered another eight gigabyte of RAM for it. Now they'll, they'll take it. Oh, I'm sorry, I ordered four because um, it's super cheap and I'll have eight gigs in it. And even with four, it's just blazing fast. I, that's my when I'm I need a computer, I carry it with me pretty much everywhere when i need something to get something done quick you know with the new mm-hmm. ssd it's instant on you know type of deal and i'm up and running i'm done before sometimes uh, my work computer can even start up yeah
0: yeah so oh that's amazing that's great you may see a, another speed bump or speed increase speed bump implies that you're going to slow down i think but a bump in speed uh by um uh installing that ram that might speed things up too
1: yeah well uh, i'm running manjaro cinnamon and it's pretty it, it's pretty economical on ram but i can i can imagine um once i get that extra 4 gigabyte in there it, it's just like a new machine uh i can't yeah. believe how well it does Uh i thought manjaro was fast on the old on the old hardware on new hardware it just it feels you know, almost instantaneous. So I'm very pleased with that upgrading and it was a great upgrade. It was like 53 bucks.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> boy, those have come down in price.
1: Yeah. I, I caught it during a sale and ah, uh, nice. it, or, or, ordinarily it's like 73 bucks or something for one of these. Yeah. And that's what I was sell. expecting. Yeah. So yeah, when I did the cost and, uh, analysis on it and it's like, you know, for 53 bucks, 500 gigabytes. Yeah. That's a, that's a no brainer.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That so everybody,
1: amazing. get rid of the rust drives to get SSDs if you can, because, man, they they make such a huge difference. It just feels like it's a brand-new machine. Yeah, and, well, uh,
0: I, I know we're going to get questions on it. So you mentioned it's a Dell. Do you remember <laughs> what model it is?
1: Uh, Let me look, because it's not a brand-new one. I got it right here. One second. Oh, let's see. What are you? Besides fast, uh, it is uh, Dell Latitude E5450.
0: Okay, so there you go. There's one model that you can install Linux on and have it run blazingly fast if you put a an SSD in it. Great. And Good to know.
1: I got it off of uh, Amazon. It was one of the uh, an old business machine. Sure. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. The latitudes are typically business models. Yeah,
1: latitude, but it has worked flawlessly. This is one that has an NVIDIA graphics, so you're not going to do any heavy gaming on it, or whatever. But sure, um, if you need a machine that just runs fast and has great battery life, it's By the way, putting that s the SSD in has actually given it more battery life. Um, I've noticed an extra almost an hour, and I can use it for about six hours of of steady use, and before I have to plug it in. So. It's really, Majero just seems, everything works with Majero, so I'm assuming everything would work great with Ubuntu or Fedora or something like that. So if you're looking for a low-cost machine, look for one of those 5450s, and uh, it has uh, the, uh, a decent keyboard. It's kind of a, a, like a, not a chick, chiclet, but it's it's sort of, it's kind of a hybrid, but it's 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 not bad. Um, it's very responsive and it wakes from sleep, uh, perfectly. It depends on how you set it up, but I just set, I just close mine and it just, it doesn't go in standby. It just shuts off the screen Mm -hmm. and I, and I've, uh, forgot to plug it in for like three days and I opened up and said, Oh man, I should probably plug that in. And it still has over half its charge ready to go. So,
0: wow, that's great. You
1: really can't, you really cannot, I can't fault anything on it. So Yeah. Uh, I think all the um, since everything's Intel based and stuff. I think it should work on any distribution.
0: Amazing! That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it probably will.
1: Yep. So anyway, that, that's that's the uh, what I did for science.
0: Yeah, there you go. Good stuff. What a sacrifice, Bill. What a sacrifice. Thank no,
1: you. I know. I'm. So, I'm so, yeah. <laughs> uh, what I what I'll do. You know, but it was very easy to upgrade this machine so um if you know, like i said if you're kind of budget struts but you want a machine that works well um this one just just nonstop works it's it's wonderful good
0: we got a hardware review in here as well look look at that Yeah, look at me so let's get on with our um, listener feedback shall we oh yes okay So, George provided us with this audio feedback, and we'll let George speak for himself, but he's talking about, uh, among other things, photography software, a little bit of personal experience, and um, different models of computers. So, here's George.
2: Hey, Bill, Larry, and fellow Minions. George from Tulsa here with some thoughts about photography inspired by Episodes 396 and 398. Back in 2014, my daughter, a graphic artist, website designer, and university Photoshop instructor, persuaded me to upgrade my photography kit so I could shoot and process RAW. Thousands of dollars later, I had a high-end camera, 15-inch quad-core i7 MacBook Pro with discrete graphics, and Proprietary Mac Photo Software First, oops. The high-end software didn't seem any faster on my expensive i7 Pro than on my basic i5 MacBook Air. Had I done more research before splurging, I'd have found the new software didn't take advantage of multiple cores or discrete graphics. This isn't an issue limited to Macs. Even if Linux software is free, computers aren't. So check the software you want to run before buying. You may find clock speed is more important to the photo or video software you're considering than multiple cores and fast graphics. Second oops, and a big one, processing raw images is tedious work. I spent all that money to convert what had been a fun activity into hours of drudgery. Don't get me wrong, the kinds of post-production manipulation that can be done with RAW images is astounding. Most of us don't need it, yet the message to aspiring photographers is, real photographers shoot RAW. In my case, the automatic JPEG conversion algorithm in my camera did a better job on most photos than I could editing RAW on my computer. One example, RAW enables rescue of badly exposed photos, but most exposure problems can be avoided by using a camera's bracketing settings. My camera will take three simultaneous images at user-selectable exposures. Look for online tutorials about your camera. Camera manuals are helpful. But if you don't understand the terminology, you're not likely to get the most from your camera. In terms of JPEG output, my camera offers a variety of settings. As more computational power is crammed into camera, the better those settings will work. It's a lot faster and more fun to come home with a camera card filled with JPEGs that are ready to share with family and friends, then one filled with raw images that have to be converted to JPEG before they're useful. Far more photos are taken on smartphones than cameras. As an Android user, i found the Pixay Pro and Snapseed photo apps do all the post-production photo processing I need. Snapseed is a free and powerful app from Google available on both Android and iOS. It and Pixay Pro will also run on an Android-capable Chromebook. While I do some photo processing on my Linux computers, I more often send a pic from my real camera to my phone because Pixay Pro and Snapseed are so easy, powerful, and fast. Like Bill, I like pics that's produced by the Linux Mint team. A handy feature I use is its option to turn an image into a negative. Works well to turn a hard-to-read glaring white text screenshot into an easier-on-the-eyes white text-on-black background. Penta is a good intermediate Linux art and photo editing program recently rescued from the dead by a new development team. Think of Penta as more than Microsoft Paint and less than GIMP, Penta's one-click adjustments auto-level feature does a surprisingly good job of restoring color to scans of faded photos. If you're a pro or serious amateur, follow Wendy Hill, who co-hosts the DLN Extend and Hardware Addicts podcasts. She talks Linux computers, dark table, raw therapy, cameras, lenses, and how her studio photography business and family are exclusive and proudly Linux only. Hey, thanks,
0: George. Thanks for the links. We'll include them in the show notes uh, to that software that's available for Linux for doing photos and photo editing and um, all the other things the the two podcasts you mentioned all of that we'll have links to all that and I'm going to have to start listening to those podcasts I think
1: yeah I didn't even know about those two so those are definitely going in my podcast feed
0: <laughs> yep you got it
1: so our next email comes to David he asks about expand drive
0: that's what I think it says
1: there's no deal on it, so it says expand drive okay I installed it on my Linux Ubuntu Mate 20.10 machine so I could mount both my OneDrive and Google Drive uh, folders. This this allow, this allows me to save files from my Linux machine and have them synced in the cloud. This must be a small company as when I signed up less than 30 minutes after installing I was getting emails from one of the developers asking me how it was going. Maybe I am being harsh. The overseas limited support from Microsoft, uh, all virtual and pretty much non-existent, so I didn't know what decent support is. It lacks some of the features a native Windows Sync would have, but so far so good. Uh, Not free, but reasonably priced. Again, any personal experience or feedback from users would be uh, appreciated. Happy holidays, David. I've never heard of Expand Drive.
0: No, and we'll include a link to their site in the show notes. And looking at their site, it says Expand Drive is cloud storage as a network drive for Mac, Windows, and Linux desktops. Um yeah, seamless access to cloud storage. At the bottom of the page, it says built with the heart emoji in Boston. So it's a oh, really? US based company. Uh, What's it cost? Uh I'm looking for that right now. I don't uh pricing. There we go. Try hitting the right clicker here. Expand Drive, one copy at $50 or 49.95. You can get a 3-pack, a 5-pack, a 10-pack, a 25-pack, and you save some significant money if you're buying for multiple computers. There's also a server edition, a 5-pack and a 10-pack of that. So the price ranges from $50 to $700 depending on what you're buying. And they accept all the major credit cards, PayPal and Amazon. Hmm. Let's see. lifetime upgrades, uh, educational and nonprofit are v- pricing available on dis- uh, request. Okay, so lots lots of good information on their website. Like I said, I'll include that link in the show notes. So let's just do that right now, okay. So, uh, thanks, David, for that suggestion. Uh, sorry we have had no experience with it, but if anyone else has used it or is planning on using it and actually does and can give us a brief review, that would be great.
1: Yeah, that sounds kind of interesting. It's kind of cool that you know, we're seeing more and more software uh, being developed to be used on Linux, so that's always makes me happy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's great. All right, uh, moving on, scrolling all the way down. Highlander stretches Kali. I run a desktop with 64-bit infrastructure. I like Kali Linux. Kali runs just fine when I use the VGA port straight off the motherboard, running the distro off the bare metal. I try to run Kali with GeForce GT710 desktop video card. The distro successfully boots up but my monitor says unsupported mode. Check this out. I also use Fedora 32 on that very same desktop computer. Through the Boxes app on Fedora 32, I can run Kali and use the same GeForce GT 710 desktop video card. Through virtual machine technology supplied by Fedora, video displays just fine when I run Kali from within the Fedora 32 machine. Can you supply the VGA-based update that will allow this distro to shut down and reboot to bare metal install with this video card on motherboard? Thanks. Much appreciated. Highlander. Hmm. I I hope he's not asking us to supply the... update but yeah (laughs) that would that would be good i'm thinking that the virtual machine probably uses a different driver altogether it may or may not be using the video card directly so that may be what's helping it to run in the vm Uh, but uh, other than that i think your request uh, is um, reasonable highlander
1: yeah, what he was saying was uh, it works well with Fedora. So mm-hmm. maybe someone in Fedora would be able to say, Hey, this is what you need to get it installed. Cause he says it runs fine on boxes.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: maybe, uh, someone who has had experience with it would be able to say, Oh yeah, you need this to make it run on the bare metal. I mean, that's, I'm just thinking to yeah. those guys in Fedora, you know, with all those red hat engineers, you know, lurking in the background that they might be able to help him out with that.
0: Yeah, that would be uh, amazing.
1: Okay, our next email comes from Troy, and he lets us know what he thinks uh, of the podcast. He says, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, guys. Looking forward to another year of excellent Linux tips, tricks, and coverage. Keep up the great work. You guys are the best, Troy, a.k.a. Jack Dearth. Thank you. And happy holidays to you, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Absolutely, even though... This will be February when we release this. So, uh, yeah, um, hopefully things are going well for you after the first two months. Our next email is from Ambrose, and he has a pseudo story. Hi, host Bill and co-host Larry. I'd like to tell a story that I think is interesting. Notice how I just glossed that over. Um, <laughs> hope you do, too. It's a story about pseudo. Most people pronounce it like the word sudo, P-S-E-U-D-O. Back in the Unix days, us oldies pronounced it like sudo. The name actually stands for switch users and do, which is probably why we pronounce it that way. Sudo, or sudo, did not exist in the early Unix days. It was added later. The SU command, or the SU command, was how you got the root back then. But of course, you had to know the root password for that. So here's what would usually happen. For example, Frank, let's say, is a developer who needs to mount a partition to work on his code. For whatever reason, the admins don't want this partition continuously mounted. So when Frank wants to boot, he has to call Bob, the admin. We'll call him Bob, and ask him to mount his partition. At the end of the day, he again has to tell Bob to unmount this partition. Of course, sometimes Bob isn't at his desk, so Frank has to wait. Frank is getting tired of waiting. Bob's getting tired of all the phone calls. So one day, Bob goes to Frank's desk and says, Look, Frank, I'm going to do something I'm not supposed to do. I'm going to let you mount and unmount yourself, which means you have to use soup S-U, which means I have to give you the root password. But you have to promise me you will only use it to mount and unmount, and you can't give the root password to anyone else, okay? Frank, of course, agrees. And invariably, five minutes later, the whole department has the root. So, Unix people say, gee, there has to be a better way to handle this, and pseudo was born. Good night and good luck, Ambrose. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun story. That is a good story.
1: Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, That's like, that's, yeah. Yeah, just take the root password. We're good. Yep. Uh, Classic. I'm sure you won't tell anybody else that's having the same problem. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, our next email comes from Liz, and she wrote, Wow, my feedback was featured in show 401. Sorry, so long a feedback. Yeah, been looking at a System seventy six but still going on disability. The budget is really tight. Haven't had any luck with U systems, they last about eight months like the Walmart junk. And looking at PineBook Pro with Manjaro would be would like to hear more about that, not really needing a bleeding edge system. But unfortunately there is a tech shortage right now. Many places like Pine and Think Penguin are out of stock. Been really wanting to try Manjuro. Yeah. Yeah, that I heard the Pine Book having to, uh, just you know, supply issues with all the COVID and stuff, so uh, I feel your pain, but I did give a suggestion for a uh a yeah. one that that might work for you and like I said, I've had mine for over eight months and it's still chugging along, so maybe that might help.
0: Yeah, give that latitude fifty four fifty a try. We know it runs Manjaro well. Uh, you may have to upgrade the hard drive, and if you can get the same sale that Bill got, it's going to be relatively inexpensive. Um, you can try ThinkPads as well, and I think we went through all this with Liz in the show 401 with suggestions on what hardware might work. So if you want used hardware, ThinkPads and Dells, and you know you can look for used System 76 as well, but if you want to stay away from used. For a budget price, you're probably going to get a budget performance computer. And for all its good, I think the Pinebook Pro fits into that category at this point. Maybe not in terms of the component um, performance, but they're still in a development phase with that hardware and I know it's going to get better and better, but the reports that I've heard from other people, and I have to say I've had no personal experience with this, but the reports I've heard from people who have tried it are less than stellar, not bad, but less than what you're looking for, I think. So you may want to give it a try, but be prepared. It may not quite meet the standards that you have. Um, I, I really hate to give a computer manufacturer who builds their computers to run Linux uh, a bad review. So let me just say uh, I have no personal experience on this, but that's what I'm hearing. And if there's anyone out there with personal experience with a Pinebook Pro, uh, give us a, a you know a, a review or at least. Mention that it runs well for you, and give us the pluses and minuses. Send an email, send a voicemail, we'll, You know, record something like George did, and uh, send it in to us. We'd love to hear that.
1: Hey, Larry, uh, quick question. What what do you think about maybe saying, look at a Raspberry Pi? Because isn't there a Ubuntu Mate version of that? I know there's a version. Maybe that yeah. would... Maybe that works. She could use some exis- existing hardware. She has a you know a key a keyboard and you know just think that out would loud be there. that
0: would be a great budget way to go. Uh, there's some yeah. limitations to the Raspberry Pi as well, and I would encourage you to get the ra- the latest Raspberry Pi. It has uh, some hardware improvements as well as support improvements from Ubuntu Mate and the other distributions that actually support Raspberry Pi. Uh, and Martin has put a lot of um, focus on ensuring that the pi 4 runs uh, ubuntu mate well so yeah that's that's a a reasonable suggestion one thing is it's raspberry pi's are based on arm architecture and not all software has been ported over to arm architecture so depending on what you want to run uh, i would check out make sure that there's an arm version of any software you rely on before getting the raspberry pi and relying on it for Day-to-day use, but if it has everything you need, that would be a good budget way to go for sure. Yeah. Okay. Our next email is from Daniel, who writes about VLC in Slackware-based distro. Daniel writes, I have used VLC with Windows, Mac, and Ubuntu. With each one, the menu structure and keyboard commands were somewhat similar. With the version of VLC in Slint a Slackware-based distro, it is quite different. Anyone have ideas as to whether I could set up VLC to be as it was in other versions of that program? Hmm. hmm. I, uh, I know Slint is a specialty Slackware distribution for the site-impaired, And I have not spent a lot of time in the menus in VLC, even when I was running it. So I don't know, you know, I I don't know anything about the menus, whether they're configurable in VLC or whether you can configure them somewhere in your distribution. Uh, And I don't use Slackware, so I can't say there. But if any one of our minions out there in our listening audience, if you've used VLC on Slint, and or have customized the user interface of VLC, particularly the menus, let us know, and we'll pass that on to Daniel.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I thought they'd be the same. Okay. I would have too. Yeah, so our next email comes from Ken who wrote about Linux compatible computers. He writes, Larry Bill, I was just listening to Going Linux 401. Great job as usual. Thanks and keep up the great work. I am continually amazed at the folks asking about a Linux-compatible computer. I have never had a problem installing running Linux on any of my sometimes off-the-wall computers. I used to build my own with Asus motherboards with both AMD and Intel processors. Then, I've had various types of HP in both desktop and laptop, mostly i5 or lower. I've had a... Old ThinkPad, which is still running at someone else's house. I've had good luck with Acer computers, even an old laptop with an AMD processor. One of the nicest ones that I've had lately is an Asus laptop with an i7 processor. Ultra light, thin, and speedy. I've tried numerous Linux distributions, but mostly used Ubuntu derivatives like Mint on my everyday machines. My biggest pitfall with Linux has been that my favorite CAD program only runs under Windows or Mac. There are so many good CAD programs for Linux, but not to my liking. The other area that used to be a problem was photo editing, but there are now many good photo programs available for Linux. Lately, I've become involved in Ham Radio, where there are many programs for Linux. I've never had a Linux incompatible computer over a whole bunch of years and a big bunch of computers, so I'm mystified with their concern. Maybe I'm just too simple of a user to trip them up. Best wishes happy new year, Ken. Well it seems like Larry I've had a few that uh my uh old computer sitting over here on the the desk here is the one with has the bad fan and that thing does not like uh a bunch of derivatives at all.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Ken, you've been one of the lucky ones. The lucky if you've tried ones it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh on the other hand, hardware compatibility with Linux has improved over the years. So dramatically maybe, improved. Yeah. It dramatically. So Chances are you're going to be able to run almost any Linux distribution on the hardware you have. And if one distribution doesn't work, you can try another one and it may just work. And a lot of it has to do with the drivers and the driver support built into that distribution. It's not the fault of Linux as the base operating system, but rather the support provided by that particular distribution. And maybe just the, con- the way they've got the distribution configured, but, um, uh, Yeah, I'm happy, Ken, that you have found a lot of good success running Linux on laptops. And maybe the ThinkPads and or the Asus computers that you have used would be good options for Liz as well. And again, I think we've made both those suggestions to Liz.
1: And Larry, let me just... uh... Bring back a blast from the past to make you shudder in, te- in, in terror and frustration, Win modems.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, just uh, just ignore them and install something else.
1: Yeah, I remember when we used to buy a computer and you couldn't and you tried to install Linux and you couldn't figure out why the modem wasn't working, and it turned yeah. out it was a Win modem. That was always fun.
0: Yeah. Well, the the good news is. Uh, Most people don't need modems anymore. It's network connection or Wi-Fi, and that's a whole other story. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, the Wi-Fi has really come a long way.
0: Yeah, exactly. The only computers that I have not been able to install Linux on was a... Was it an Acer or an Asus? One of those two that was low-spec, purchased in the early days of those being distributed in the United States, and... Uh, They were pre-configured with Windows something home, locked down, and you had to jump through hoops to get it to even recognize the distribution on a, a USB drive and get it to install and even boot from the USB drive was a bit of a challenge. So there was that one. And then I was trying to help someone install Linux on an older Mac, MacBook, I think it was, MacBook Pro, it wouldn't install. In fact, there was a problem with the booting software. That just wouldn't work either. So those are the only two that I've had complete failures to install Linux. Everything else, I've been able to install it, and over the years, those computers for as long as i've kept them and some i've kept for over 10 years and they have for the most part been able to install and run linux just fine even in the early days early days for me were was you know 10 or so years ago 10 15 years ago and um some some of those had some hardware that you had to do workarounds to get to work back then but i was always able to do it and today you just you know install And everything, all the drivers and everything have caught up to even those old, old, old 15-year-old computers. uh, And it just runs. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. I still remember trying to try go into the forums and looking and say, try moving this jumper over on this card and <laughs> so I still remember all that. I think yeah. you had a little better luck than I did. There's been quite a few computers that it's like uh, well mostly because of user error remember when um, you had to set up the partitions manually and you're looking at the book going oh, yeah. I don't know what half this means now it's right. Now it, you can just pretty much install it by just saying, you know, do it all magically and it, it sets it up. So, yeah, Linux has come a long way as far as installing and then hardware support. I remember having so many issues with Wi-Fi back, not that long ago, what, maybe three, four years ago when you'd have cards that you'd have to go in and you'd try to sneak your uh, to see, uh, DVD in to see if it would, it would recognize everything why this mm-hmm. the the uh show pe- uh the, the salespeople would be looking at you kind of weird <laughs> like yeah. I'm just yeah you know, I'm just making sure everything works. So now it's not much of an issue anymore. So that's always great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we've come a long way. Anyway yes, uh shall we go to our last email? Okay. This one is also from Highlander. He provided a trusted programs update. He writes, I can remember when some people said that some of their programs don't seem to be working right. I'm sure you do updates for your system on a regular basis already. What you need to do is that when you click on that update button, what gets updated is your operating system and your drivers. Your trusted programs don't get updated. That's not true on Linux. He may be talking about Windows here. Oh, okay. uh, he didn't specifically say that, but I know that um, in the older versions of Windows, you only updated your operating system and your drivers. But on Linux, when you do the updates, you get any of your installed programs updated as well, unless you've built them from, you know, from source code or something like that, in which case you've got to support them yourself. Uh, I'm willing to bet he continues that you haven't updated your programs in years to do that there's a different button you have to push to do program updating it's called Microsoft Store there you go so uh. this is so this is Windows. You find it by looking at the right side of your start menu. The amount of programs you will have to update might be very big. If the number of updates is 25 or more, you might have to let the computer do updating during the overnight hours, even if you have a fast internet connection. Also, it is recommended that you do this updating while you are logged in as administrator. Oddly enough, even if you complete the updates that are listed, just in case, click on the blue Get Updates button, there may be two or three. More updates that didn't show up yet. I have done this for my Windows machine and haven't noticed any ill effects. Keep in mind it's possible that your web browsers, plugins, extensions, Edge, New Edge, Chromium, Firefox, Tor, might not update automatically. If this is the case you will need to turn on each of these browsers individually and update them manually, along with any plugins, extensions you may have in each browser. Updating your computer is important regardless of whether you use Windows, Mac, or Linux operating systems. Very, very true, Highlander. And thanks for reminding us, go update your system. And even more important than updating, backups.
2: Yes.
1: But, you know, I am so grateful that uh, it, it also did this in Ubuntu Mate and, uh, but I know it does it in Majero too. Is that it just sees what needs to be updated and it says, ah, you need to update this because I've had it install, you know, little point releases to browsers or sometimes it's a, you know, just depends on what's been updated. So Linux, as far as getting everything updated, if you're doing your updates, is as simple as, you know, You know, updates, type your password, and then walk away. And usually it works fine, and everything is fresh and shiny.
0: Yes, absolutely. Linux is wonderful that way, that's for sure. Yes, it is. All right, well, that is the last email for our show today, Bill. All right. Our next episode, we're not sure what it is yet, unless you have an idea that you're about ready to drop on us here.
1: I am looking at a couple different ones. Uh, originally I was writing one about, you know, video streaming services and stuff, but, uh, because of, uh, work issues and real life issues, I haven't worked on that enough, but I've got an idea for one I think will be interesting. So, you just have to wait and see what we drop. How's that?
0: That sounds good. <laughs> That's not, not unusual for us, but <laughs> no, no.
1: Yeah. with everything going on, you know, it's like sometimes we, we forget uh, to actually say, Oh, by the way, I should probably get that written. So, yeah, yeah, or real
0: and, life gets in the way as it will.
1: Yeah, yes, real life. Uh, until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe.
0: We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done.
1: And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Links podcast community on community.goinglinks.com.
0: Until next time, thanks for listening. 73.